Anchors away, my boys. Anchors away. Farewell to college joys. We set sail at break of day. Through our last night on shore, drink to the foam. Until we meet once more, here's wishing you a happy voyage home. Anchors away, my friends. Everybody understands that good times, that good times, they come and they go. And together we will always flow back into our dreams. One of those passages is from Anchors Away, the fight song of the United States Naval Academy, as well as the end of the 1945 movie of the same name, starring Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly, where two sailors sing their way through a mid-century Los Angeles. The other is from Anchors Away, the title track from the 2003 album from New Jersey punk band The Bouncing Souls. Which one belongs to the subject of today's episode? You'll have to listen to find out. It's the second one. Welcome to Punkorama, where we are dedicated our endeavor to get to every epitaph ever. Where we wax poetic on nostalgia and aesthetic. So welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen, from your podcast, Warlord. That's me. Uh, thank you so much for uh, listening and welcome back to Punkorama, where I am recording live from our nation's capital, kind of, question mark, Silver Spring, and uh, sitting here very patiently with me uh, is my guest today. So my guest today is an internationally renowned graphic designer who's worked with bands such as the Gaslight Anthem, the Menzingers, Frank Turner, and appropriately enough, the Bouncing Souls as well as Lucha Libre Wrestling. You may know him as Pinewood Derby champion El Jefe, but the government calls him Jeffrey Everett. Yes. Does that all sound right? Sure. <laughs> that was quite the buildup. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, I, I think it's worth it. I don't know. You're the reason I came down here. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, don't be sorry. No, we have cherry blossoms. We have... Uh... Are they out yet? Um, you can go punch Nazis in the streets. It's, re it's really fun to do. Um, it's like whack-a-mole. Just walk around. Just get and it's, this is CPAC week, so there's probably... Oh, it's fucking assholes everywhere. It's, um, I call this intern season okay. because when I get onto the Metro, you can tell who's an intern because they have a light blue dress shirt with a white collar okay. that's new. You can almost like see the pins still in them. They have... Uh, really bad shoes on and then uh and they're wearing like the white tube socks with the dress shoes and they're oh. wearing like the beige khakis with pleats mm -hmm. and they look all eager and earnest and they don't know how to use the transportation system even though they've you know they just got here and so they all stand on the left and so my advice to you is when you get on the metro escalators you you stand on the right and you walk on the left sure okay and if you don't you will have like a 79 year old woman be like, get the fuck out of the way <laughs> as she like hustles up, you know, past you. And so, yeah, this is like intern CPAC season. And so it's just me getting on the Metro every day, just filled with anger. Right. Cause it's like, you know, D DC though it is um, our nation's capital it is a city where people work and live and create. And there's all this like really cool stuff going on. Yeah. And then you have all these people who show up, um, you know, every four to eight years who think like we're here, we're going to show all you DC people how it's done. 
And it's like, no, you're not. We are, you know, we don't, you know, we are, DC is a very welcoming city, sure. but it's also like, don't step on us. Like we live here. This is our city too. Uh -huh. And so I remember like, it's like three or four years ago. I remember I just wanted to go from the stairs to the Metro and it was like 10 steps. And it was like some dude just kept walking in front of me. And I finally just like, like I would kind of go to the left and he would look over his shoulder and like try to block me. And he was just like, <laughs> and I remember I just kind of like put my hand on him was like, please stop. And he was like, don't fucking touch me. Don't you fucking touch me. He was like purposefully trying to like, he was purposely like trying to fuck with me. And I was just like, what the hell? And he was just like, you know, oh, you fucking liberals and da 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 da. Oh, Jesus Christ. And he immediately like, jumps to that. And he's like, we're here to clean out all this shit and da da da. And I was like, yeah. And I was just like, wow. And, you know, I get on, I get on to the, onto the Metro and he's all like, you know, don't fucking touch me and da da da. And, and it's just like, yeah, this is DC. So, like, right now, yeah. walking through DC is like that. It's just like, you have some people who are just super aggro, you right. know, you know, liberals who are pissed off, conservatives who are pissed off. And so it's just, it's a tense time on the Metro. I, so last night I had a, uh, I, I went to um, some neighborhood that's a man's name, Douglas Adams or something like that, but it's not because that's the author. Adams, Adams something. Dude, everything here is named after a dude. Is it? Pretty much. It's all right. Adams well, Morgan. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. okay. So, because I had a reservation at this cocktail bar called uh, Gr Drain and uh, Dram and Grain. And, I've heard of that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it was very good, but I, it was like I got there a little early because I wanted to like go to some other places too right. that I had all marked down. And so I'm like I'm like sitting on this bench like looking at my phone. I got my headphones in. I'm just like trying to like get my bearings and all that stuff. Right. And I'm like in front of this barber shop that has just closed or whatever. And some dude like sits like really, really close next to me. And I was like, well, what's going on here? Right. And then I like I like figure out where I'm going and I get up and I walk around. I go to try to go to some other places that I had marked down. They're all too busy. I go into this other bar that I didn't have marked down, but looked nice. It's called like Bar Charlie or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a good place. It's it was really great. And the dude, some dude like says, hey, you were sitting outside of that barber shop. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was. And he was like, oh, yeah, we, we just got out of work. And he was like this super friendly guy, really, really nice. Uh, just just as you were saying, like, DC is very welcoming. Right. And he was just like, yeah, you know, he was like super cool. He's like, you know, what are you doing here and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I have to admit, like, I, I was born and I grew up in New York and like, I have like this like immediate like okay what does this dude want from right. me? He's like, trying to scam me. Yeah 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 yeah. Right. Like my my senses like get heightened of right. like what's going on here? Right. What, what's the game? And it wasn't. He was just like he was having a beer with his buddy and he just right. got out of work and he's just like oh I saw you sitting out there like you know what's going on? So I had like a nice conversation with him and like the nice woman that was the hostess at mm. the place and uh, I think she had put it in a good way because I, I mentioned that I was like oh this is I thought it was weird and she's like yeah DC is like this like metropolis that also has this like kind of like southern hospitality to it right which always catches me off guard <laughs> right. which is not a good thing uh, like it's not a good trait of mine but just like yes it was very welcoming and this is a, this at least that part of town I went to it was very nice it was very cool it's interesting like the locals in DC always quality people right I have met people here who are fantastic. I'll know them for decades, hopefully my whole life. Right. I'll go out of my way to help them. Right. Um, and then it feels like the a lot of the people who are 
visiting who are only here for, you know, because of the administrations or whatnot, come mm-hmm. in with that, like, oh, we're going to change D.C. Because to them, D.C. is this, you know, symbol. It can either be a symbol of hope, symbol of corruption, whatever. And they come in here with, like, an agenda. Mm-hmm. And they don't really want to know the city. They don't necessarily want to embrace the city. They just want to come in here and, like, make a mark, sure. you know. Um, Adams Morgan's an interesting place. Uh, I used to live um, near Logan Circle. Like, oh, man, close to 20 years ago. And you would walk outside and it'd just be like hookers on one side, drug dealers on the other. And you would walk to like the 930 Club, Black Cat, which are all up in the Adams Morgan area. And you would fear for your life. Oh, wow. Legitimately, like you would fear for your life. I was going to say you were either going to fear for your life or that sounds like the start of like a really fun, like musical dance scene. Yeah, you've got yeah. like the drug dealers on one side and the hookers on the other side, and yeah. they all start snapping their fingers coming out into the street. Well, in my, I grew up middle of nowhere, Massachusetts, and there were no different people. What is middle of nowhere, Massachusetts? Be specific. Uh, Sterling, Massachusetts, okay. which is where Mary had a little lamb was written. <laughs> really? Yeah, we had we had feral chickens that would attack my dog. Holy um, shit! Yeah, uh, my house was so old, you could be on the third floor, yeah. look through the floor. Okay, through the floor and see the light from the basement. Our our house was like a hundred plus, hundred fifty plus years old. Wow! It was like yeah. There, there's a book called um, House of Leaves, which you should read. It's fantastic. Okay. Um, and the whole thing about that in, uh, in the book, the house is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And reading all about the house, it is exactly like the house I grew up in. Mm. It's like completely freaky. And we would, um, when I grew up, when we first moved in, I was outside. I, I had like no neighbors in the middle of nowhere. And people would be like, I had a guy come to me and he goes, I grew up in this house. And, dude, and the dude's like probably in his 70s, 80s. He, he literally emerged from the woods. It was creepy as hell. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like sixth grade, like about to enter sixth grade. And he's, I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice. You know, and he's like, yes, my grandmother um, died in the room at the top of the stairs on the right and i'm like that's my room holy shit i'm gonna die and it was creepy it was a creepy place to to grow up and so yeah i I ended up moving to dc because it was like henry rollins is from dc duke ellington's from dc i'm moving to dc oh so this so this wasn't like a family thing moving to dc was your decision yeah okay and um the school i ended up going to david lynch went to which oh. was another because I was like huge into Twin Peaks, like I had Twin Peaks tattoos. I had Twin Peaks posters all over my room, and I was like, David Lynch went to the Corcoran Museum of Art for his degree. I too will go there. So I ended up going there, and then I dropped out after two years, mm-hmm. just like David Lynch did. So um, not comparing myself to David Lynch, I just find that interesting. <laughs> but yeah, um, but Adams Morgan, yeah, like um, it's amazing. You can walk around there now and it's just a cool nice place Mm -hmm. and everyone seems to be cool and just wants to have a good time because before you were going there to get stabbed sure and i mean that's the case with like you know there's a lot of that happening in like new york and brooklyn with like all that gentrification and stuff like that right well well i always used to hear like you know like the daredevil comics you know i used to read as a kid was like the meat packing industry you know meat packing district district. you will go there and die oh jesus and And you went to sva right i went to sva to get my master's degree and i remember excuse me I remember going to see Bleeding Through play at like the Electric Factory. And maybe that's not in the. That's meet- in the East Village. Yeah, but I remember just being like, everyone's like, "You're going there by yourself. 
And I'm like, yeah. What year was this? It was like 12 years ago. 12 years ago. Okay. And I'm like walking around. It's like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, this is not bad at all. Like, I don't feel uncomfortable at all. Like, I used to go see wrestling at Madison Square Garden, and I'd walk home from there at like one o'clock in the morning. Never, never felt like I was going to die. The electric factory is on the Bowery, (laughs) which like. Is it still open? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's it's right up the block from where CBGB's used to be. Okay. Uh, I work right near there, and um, yeah, it's it is now. There's this area called Cooper Square that's becoming very like frou frou right. and all that stuff. Well, the meatpacking is, uh, district. I mean that. Jesus Christ! That's just like one big cobblestone lined like dance party. Like that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. And 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 I remember like, oh yeah, Daredevil told me I'll get killed if I go here. Like even the TV show is like there's crime on every corner and I'm That's like That's Hell's Kitchen. Oh, Hell's Kitchen, I'm sorry. Which but, by the way But even Hell's Kitchen's super nice yeah, now. Yeah. I had a I had a friend that lived in uh, a very nice building in Hell's Kitchen. Like Hell's Kitchen is like it's kind of boring, but like it's I wouldn't consider it dangerous at all. It's yeah, just because it it's got that name. Yeah, I mean that know? name is a great name. But also, here's the thing. If you watch the Daredevil show on Netflix, like uh, do something where like have a have a drinking game or an eating game or something like that where every time they say Hell's Kitchen like drink or eat or something like right. that because it's so fucking much they milk that name for all it's worth it's like we get it it's like a real place it's got a creepy name to it you know right. and all that but they really milk it well, well that's like living in like Las Vegas though where it's like the um, was it CSI where like every week there's a mass murderer oh, yeah. killing lots of people you know, and I'm and I have friends who live in uh, Las Vegas, and they're like, no, I mean it's weird, but like, there's not, it's not that bad. It's more like Vegas vacation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what, at what age did you move to 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 DC? 18, 18, were, 18, 19. Okay, so you you spent a little bit of your formative years still in Massachusetts. Oh yeah, and it sucked. Okay, and were you still in? I'm sorry, what was the name of that town? Sterling. So you were still in Sterling up until then. Yeah, and it was it was interesting because I. Um, my parents were divorced and the moment, uh, you can start working when you're 15 up there, like you can get like a part-time job. Like there's no, um, and I'm sure you can get one earlier. There's no child labor laws. There's no tra- <laughs> you can't, you can't work past midnight, I believe. Okay. And so the moment I turned 15, my parents got divorced. My mom was like, um, yes, you're getting a job. And she went and actually like got me a job and, it was, and I, I made a shit ton of money. I was a bus boy. Um, at a like Tex-Mex restaurant, which played the most god awful music, and this is like during the time of, like the achy breaky heart sure. phenomena. So like I actually had to like learn how to do that dance because like drunk old women would grab me and like want to do like the line dancing with me. But anyways, I worked with like all these cool artists and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So they would, you know, we would get off like at around eleven thirty midnight, and they would be like, "Hey, we're driving into Boston, which is like if you're going eighty on the highway, you can get there in like forty five minutes." Um, cause like, you know, the, you know, the roads are all clear and you sure. just go in. And so I would get off my friend, Ginny, who was like, I don't know, she's probably my, she seemed ancient, but she's probably like 40. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd be like, Hey, like ministry is playing. Want to go see ministry? Yeah. You know, I was like 16, like, yeah, I want to go. And she would bring me in and like vouch for me. That's awesome. So I saw like. I wasn't necessarily into punk at that time. I was total like indie rock, like touch and go. Um, this is like right when Nirvana had exploded. So like there's all this good music like Dinosaur Jr. I saw like Smashing Pumpkins play like smaller club shows. And it, and like I would go see like I saw Girls Against Boys play with Jesus Lizard, mm-hmm. which is like to this day it was just like 
like it was such a killer show. Right. Um, I saw that I saw Girls Against Boys open for Helmet. Like as you could tell, I like Girls Against Boys. Sure. And so we would just you know because most places are like yeah the the headlining band doesn't go on until twelve thirty one o'clock in the morning. So you would miss the openers, but you'd always get to see the headliners. Mm -hmm. And granted, you had to stand in the back, but that's fine because I usually had like guacamole smeared all over my <laughs> all over my shirt. And um, I ended up going. I, this is actually one of the major causes I, I went vegan. I had to help make like all the meat products, like like break down all the ribs and stuff to cook. Oh, up the, oh. and so I had longer hair at the time, and so I'm cutting all this stuff up, and I kept like sweeping my hair back. And so I remember we went to go see ministry play and I came out and I just, my face was like Carrie, just red, just red all over. Because of the sweat. And it was the sweat would uncongeal all the blood in my hair. And so I just had this like, just this crimson mask. And yeah, you're like making that grimacing face. Yeah. I'm not, well, I'm, I'm making I'm making a grimacing face, but I'm also kind of smiling because that's like kind of badass. Too. You know, it was like, totally yeah. badass. Yeah, totally badass. And um, so yeah, you know, like I went to go see KMFDM instead of going to my prom because KMFDM was. I also got dumped a week before oh. prom, but I went to go see. Yeah, it kind of ruins the uh, allure. But um, yeah, I went to go see KMFDM in a full tux with a top hat. And um, ended up living up to the prom traditions with a woman who dressed all like in like skin tight leather. It was like fantastic. Wow. So yeah, yeah, I got I. So you had like you had the these sort of like older people who are like into cool shit like yeah. showing you all that stuff. Did you yeah. have any? You, had, you have any like older brothers or sisters that were like showing you any of that? Or? No, my okay. older brother who um, we we're four years apart. So okay. when it started time. Um, to have like the hey Jeff, here's this record you should listen to. He um, was like a Steely Dan kind of guy. Oh, yeah. Um, his like his favorite band at the time, and I think still is, is Steely Dan. And mine was like Black Flag. Okay. So like our musical tastes <laughs> did not coalesce mm -hmm. at all. You know his, his his you know, and I'm not putting Steely Dan down. I I just it's not. He's a big uh, listener, so I'm glad you said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know my 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 armor was not you know jethro tull in the doors right you know i went to school you know I, i'm six foot one i'm not a small dude and when you live in a small town if you don't play football you know you're an art fag so you're gonna get your shit kicked out of you mm -hmm. um and listening to kind of the punk stuff it was like yeah you can try that once <coughs> and then you know Joe Strummer has the, you know, if you give me aggression, I'll give it two times back, you know, which I didn't actually hear from Joe Strummer. I heard it from Henry Rollins quoting Joe Strummer. Um, so it was like, oh, I'm in the parking lot and the quarterback's giving me shit. Fuck that guy. Yeah. And he hits me. I'll hit him back twice. And it's not good when you can beat up members of like the baseball team, mm -hmm. you know, or like the football team. And, you know, I never went out of the way to, to get into a scuffle, but I definitely wasn't a kid who's like, hey, you know, fag, fuck you. You know, sure. oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'd be like, no, fuck you. Yeah. And like, that was my like daily existence. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a bad existence. I mean, high school sucks for anybody who actually has a brain um, or like emotions. Hopefully you're not, you're like, I liked high school. Nope. Um, okay. Well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was, it was right down the middle for me yeah, i guess i got through it you i know? i think co college is my big time where i was just like oh this is 
Uh, I don't. I hate this. <laughs> this is you, the worst. Well, what did you? Because you said you went to art school. I did. What like? What did you focus on? A new media. New media. So I did. You uh, must be. A, you're. You're probably a lot younger than me. Because we had at our school. It was I'm like, twelve. You're twelve. <laughs> yeah. Shit, the cops are about to break in. What well, are you guys crazy do? that I already went to college and I'm twelve? Oh yeah, dude, no, no. has it. But like, we had fine art, photography, and graphic design, mm -hmm. and it was like, you're doing graphic design, sell out. We got like, and and to the point of like, and this is kind of why I left. Corcoran was like, oh, you're doing the high arts, so you get to work in the museum. You're doing graphic design. We're gonna put you with the fucking Georgetown in a little small place, and that's all you're ever gonna do. You're gonna take like marketing classes and shit like that. Oh no, <laughs> we didn't. Um, like visual, like visual literacy 101 for like fucking like just anybody can take. Yeah, it, like I didn't end up getting into the computer until I left. We did everything by hand, and it always made me laugh because we would have to use like placa paint to like you know um paint in logos and stuff and then like you'd have like all of your hands and like all of your face because you're you know um and then like afterwards i looked at it and was like this is a carcinogen do not let it touch your skin oh and no like, oh. but there was like a hostile like i hated college uh. for my first two years because there was a hostile like fine art versus graphic design graphic designers were like we like everything mm -hmm. and the fine artists were like you're a sellout graphic design is a sellout you know, you're you're betraying yourself, blah 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 blah. Was it like it for you? And that's why you have oh, college no, no. damage. That or? was that was completely my college damage was completely of my own oh, okay. Of my own like uh inner angst and all that shit. It, it was because so, uh, my, my school was the did you ever see PCU? Yes. My school was based was the school that, that was was based on. I went to purchase. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is like it's like a it's like a state school and it's like the artistic state school. So like all your drawings of like hardcore sex as fine art that didn't go over very well? Uh there was unfortunately none of that. Drawing is one of the things that like my top five things I wish I could do better. Uh huh. I, I wish I could draw. <laughs> Me I wish too. I had better handwriting. But I mean that's the that's like like here's the I guess if you want to call it a generation generational divide between someone like yourself and me is all of my all of my art, you know, or whatever, all of the stuff I would do is based on coming out of the computer, uh -huh. and so I have terrible handwriting, terrible, because I never had to write anything right. for real, you know, after like uh, intermediate school, and so everything's typed and things like that, and so just like my my hand things with making stuff, it's mm. terrible, it's terrible, and I wish it was better, but uh, you so when you were growing up in that in that tiny town. Was there like a record store that was like on a main strip or something like what what was it like? How did you get music? We um, My dad my family my uncle uh -huh. were extraordinarily supportive of the arts now granted it was a very Fine art based like we would go to like the Museum of Art in Boston things like right. that um, But my uncle who was super cool would be like yeah, there's this um, street called Newberry Street and you can just go there and there's like lots of cool shit Okay. There was like a gargoyle store that was like it just sold gargoyles. It just sold gargoyles. It was like the ultimate like goth hangout. <laughs> it was like it literally it literally was like at the time all these like apartment buildings, all these um, like churches and stuff were being torn down. So they had all these like original like oh, gargoyles. So you could go in there and like awesome. buy them, and it'd be like you know they weren't cheap, but it was like it was beautiful. It was like going into a museum. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. they had like stained glass windows that they salvaged and stuff like that. And then like down the street was you had Newbury Comics, and okay. and then like twenty paces down from that you had Tower Records. 
Oh, you guys had a tower. <laughs> we had a tower. And um, it always annoyed me because when you walked in, they had like um, like the gold stars, like these are the best bands from DC. Right. And it would be like Aerosmith, eh. um, Jay Giles Band, eh. and then like New Kids on the Block. And you're just like, oh, fuck, is this really the best of Boston? This, this, oh, oh, you said, you said DC, but you meant Boston. Boston, sorry, yeah. 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 Um, DC had a tower records too. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, um, so that yeah. was that. Was it? Was that in your small town, or was that like an adjacent town? That was in Boston. So oh, like, that was in Boston proper. So, so oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So, so like, you went to like. Okay. So like yeah, and so like my family would be like, hey, well, you know, we're going into Boston. I'd be like, can I go to Newbury Comics? Can I go to Newbury Comics? Can I go to Newbury Comics? And being a very visual person, and this is you know the time, CDs had just taken off. Okay. Um, but like listening stations and all that didn't exist. There's no iTunes or, or which whatever. was it? Which was a thing Tower Records made the listening stations. Yeah. that was their invention. Yeah. But yeah. Um, a lot of the times you walk in and you're like, I don't know who this band is, but I really like the cover of the record. And so I, you know, I bought like my first Joy Division album because I liked the T-shirts. Mm-hmm. And I found out later Peter Seville, who was the designer, um, was very he, you know, in graphic design, there's this idea of like, you should design for the widest appeal, you know? So like Rihanna right now has like t-shirts, Justin Bieber too, have like t-shirts that have like skulls and like death metal imagery and stuff on them because they're trying to like be ironic or they're trying to look different or whatever. Um, you know, Peter Seville was like, if you like the graphic, you will like the band. Mm-hmm. And like, say like for joy division had a very distinct graphic you know like everyone can now anyone who has any taste can can like go like oh yeah that sound wave you know graphic or like the level terrace apart graphic with like the weeping woman at the cemetery you know there's like the statue at the time i'm like you know you go into these things like blind i'm like i don't know who the fuck joy division is Mm -hmm. just that's a really weird name next to a really weird icon i'll probably like this And I remember buying it and like putting it on and just being like, holy shit, this guy sounds like he wants to kill himself. Mm -hmm. And then like, well, you know, but I didn't know. I had no fucking clue who this guy was. (laughs) And then later you're like, holy shit, he did kill himself. Um, You know, and like all the legends and stuff like that. Like at those times, like, you know, for me, there was also, oh man, there's a place, there was a place um, close to those and it was like downstairs in a basement and they had like, it was like nothing but like bootlegs. Cool. And so I remember there was this band. And this was on the same like stretch yeah, as the yeah. tower, the Newberry comics. And then there was this place where you would yeah. go down and they had the bootlegs. Yeah. What, what was the name of the street again? Newberry street. It was Newberry street. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Thus Newberry comics. Yeah. Um, and it was, I remember like the, that one place you'd walk in there and it'd just be like, I really, liked indie rock and like industrial kind of music mm-hmm. more so than punk granted i loved like minor threat and i loved black flag and stuff like that loved the rollins band but like industrial music at the time just like the like swans and ministry and all those bands feel like they will kill you mm-hmm. they will kill you like this is actual dangerous music whereas punk music which I still love a lot of times it's like, Oh, it's like a skinny, you know, like my experiences were like, this is like a skinny 16 year old kid who hates their parents, who is just acting out. Right. You know, I feel like a fashion, like I don't like my dad. 
Um, whereas when I'd go see like industrial bands, like shit, this is actually scary. Like seeing um, Skinny Puppy was kind of terrifying. Sure. You know, seeing um, like, I don't know if necessarily think she's industrial, but like I saw, uh, I'm going to mispronounce her name, Diamanda Gallus. And she's like dousing herself in blood uh-huh. while singing about the AIDS virus. Right. Like, holy shit. Like, that's terrifying. Sure. Um, and so I remember I found this band called Sleep Chamber. And again, it's one of those like, you get the tape and it's, you know, like a Maxell tape that's like obviously been dubbed like five times. And it has like this picture on the cover and you're like, I don't really know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, sleep Chamber with like the E's like facing away from each other. And you get it and you get home and like my car didn't have a tape deck in it. So it's like you get home, you're like going home and you're just like, I wonder what this sounds like. I wonder what this sounds like. And meanwhile, like Phil Collins is on the radio um, because there's nothing else on. And you go in and you put on sleep chamber and you're in bed listening to it while you're reading a book. And it's like some dude like chanting with like weird guitar overdubs. And you're like, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Right. And then like you go see them play and it's kind of like performance art. Mm-hmm. Um, but like there was like kind of this beautiful mystery just buying these tapes for five or six or seven bucks, you know. And like when I worked, you know, I'd work <coughs> and be like, I've worked for an hour. I've made ten dollars. This can get me this money. This can yeah. get me yeah, this yeah, yeah. much CDs, uh-huh. you know, or this many bootleg tapes, uh-huh. you know. And I had like all like the Soundgarden live at the at the channel, you know. I had like you know Pearl Jam's first performances, you know. I you know it's like I remember like when the movie Singles came out, mm-hmm. and like you know Eddie Vedder comes on screen, and everyone goes, "Oh, I love Eddie," and I was like, "Fuck you." <laughs> I I saw them. I saw them. Back when they were in the small clubs in Boston, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm a real fan. None of, none of you women understand me, you know, all that stuff. It's funny you say that about like, uh, you know, working the smaller gigs and like, oh, this can get me this much, you know, this many music or things like that. Like that's that's the that's the way that you sort of quantify all that stuff because yeah. like I have like I have like a I have like a real quote unquote job now, you know, I have like a salary and I still think that way, but in terms of like like 99 cent menu items at Wendy's and yeah. shit like that. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's gone from like purchasing music and books to like this is this much daycare for my children you know i'm like oh fuck i'm gone old um when you moved to dc what was the what was the music shop that you would go to for stuff um it was varied and they and they kept closing down um what were some names throw them out i'm sure olson's books and music olson's book was like my go-to because i could go there and buy books and music and the guy who stocked it um, they would have some really good music in there. Um, Tower Records was still open. Mm-hmm. So I would go there. I lived in DuPont Circle. Um, Tower was in um, where uh, George Washington University is. So it was like a 15-minute walk. So at like 11 o'clock at night, they were open really late. I could just go there and um, you know listen to music and, and find stuff. Um, Kemp Mill was another good one. I remember... This is my, uh, this is my Ian McKay story. So I actually worked at Kemp Mill Records for a while, and it was right off of Dupont Circle, and it was cool because it was Dupont Circle, and then Kemp Mill, and then another record store I can't remember the name of, and then like a, and then like a, a Phantom Graphics, uh, Fantagraphics, um, fin- no, what was it? 
Phantasmagoria. Okay. Okay. Because that just is an easy remember. Of course. Easy name to remember. Rolls off the tongue. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> but they and they, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It came to me once and now it's gone. Um. But they also had a store in I think Whedon, and they would have like the checkered cabs would come and play and they had like ska bands come and oh, play. Oh, that's so awesome. So it was cool. Like they were a really yeah, cool yeah, yeah. store. So I always I always um liked going there. But Kent Mill. It was a big distributor to all the other Kent Mills as a chain. There's a whole bunch of them. And I could just order whatever I wanted when I worked there. So like, oh, Touch and Go just released all these records. I can order all of them. So anyways, I'm in there one day and uh, I'm just hanging out and like Ian Mackay, I just see Ian Mackay and I'm like, oh shit, that's Ian Mackay. And he's running up um, the street. He's running up Connecticut Avenue. And he has like a look of fear in his eyes. I'm like, what the fuck? And I found out later what it was is all of the bike messengers who were all straight edge read an article where Ian was like dissing straight edge because he was like, oh, it's kind of like a gang mentality now. I don't really like it anymore. So all of the bike messengers were like chasing after Ian Mackay, wanting to kick his ass. And I'm like, you're only proving what he said. So yeah, that's this D- is, this that's, is, that's DC for you. That's 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 like a that's like a crazy weird nightmare ish scenario to happen. Like you, you see, you're like standing there and you see Ian McKay with his friend looking. He's running away from a bunch of bike messengers. Yeah, and then like get the shit out yeah, of and, you know, like looking back in my brain, I, I put like the Benny Hill music to it. Like he runs by, and then like you know, everyone's like running after him with like you know. It's like the reverse of those Beatles videos where they'd be running away from like all the women trying to get at them. It's like the reverse punk rock version of that. Yeah, this is like you know, you know, white guys with dreadlocks. And uh, skin tight clothing, yeah, you know, with horrible like tattoos running after him. Yeah, it, it made for an interesting time. So those are the record stores that you had when you when you came to DC. Yeah. So move to let's go to 2003. Do you remember the first time that you heard "Anchors Away" by Bouncing Souls? I did, and I hated it. Right. Okay. So I think that's the thing with this record is that I think a lot. So. My experience with the, with the Bouncing Souls is I had uh, my best friend, this guy Dave, who lives in Portland now. He was like my entryway to all this punk rock. Portland, Maine or Portland, Oregon? Portland, Oregon. Okay. Okay. And he was like my entryway to, to all this punk rock. And he was a big Bouncing Souls fan. He's got a Bouncing Souls tattoo and all that stuff. And so, you know, he got me into that. Yeah, same tattoo. Yeah. You know who gave me this one? Uh, who? Brian. Really? The bass player gave so, me this. So yeah. Jeffrey's showing me. He's got the Bouncing Souls heart with the cityscape. Uh, it's DC it's, though. It's a DC city. Oh my yeah. god! You've got a DC so specific. I got, you got the Capitol, and I got a Washington Monument. Yeah. And you got the you've got the Souls face, but without the face like drawn in. Yeah. Um. So, he. So, I was getting into them, and it was kind of around. The, it was like right before this record came out, and then this record came out, and I remember him, and, a lot of other people saying like, oh no, like, they've turned the corner, they've jumped the shark, or things like that, you know, because. You know, it is a more, let's say, uh, use a cliche, more mature record for them. Mm-hmm. But as with so many bands that I've seen and a lot of other anything that comes out in like a series, like it's this this record seems to have greatly grown appreciation with age. Mm-hmm. Like everyone I know and I've looked, I read the reviews on like Amazon for this stuff. A lot of people had the same mindset and they were just like, man, oh man, this record is fucking awesome. But when it first came out, it was like a real weird letdown. So yeah. like you heard it and you you were bummed out. Well, I I originally got into the Souls 
because of my wife. One of our first concerts was the Bouncing Souls with the Descendants at the 9.30 Club. Cool. And at the time, like, all their stuff was like, let's eat pizza and throw toilets out windows. Ha-ha! What, what, what year was this? 96, 97. Oh, okay. Um, so that would have been, yeah, so that was about the time where, like, Maniacal Laughter and the Bouncing Souls Yeah, were, and it was, like, kind of this, <sighs> I want to say poppy punk, but this was, like, really during the... Um, and maybe we could bring this up later, but they were kind of like doing their whole like you know MTV fuck you, you know um, was it they they what uh, they did a disc where it actually had the MTV logo with like the the cross out through it, mm. um, and like their stuff was really kind of rambunctious and you know for me you know I, I believe like when we first started talking you're like anchors away not the one I would have thought and I think a lot of people are like hopeless romantic you know. Um, you know, that's that's their best album, Hopeless Hopeless Romantic. I think even like what is it, the jaded um punk Hulk did a thing of like every album after Hopeless Romantic sucks. Um, you know, in all capital letters, sounding mm-hmm. a lot funnier than I am. Um but yeah, so when this album came out, I don't even think I was a huge fan because I didn't I didn't really relate to a lot of their music. Like Hopeless Romantic, I related to a lot of it because you know, I go around you know, like a sappy emo kid, like, mm-hmm. every day I fall in love and every day I, my heart's broken um, over every little thing. And and so, like, the whole, like, let's go to a huge party and, you know, bully the jukebox and all that stuff, it it wasn't, it, it, it didn't relate to me as much. Like, it just wasn't, it, it's not what I did. Sure, sure. I, you know, I hate parties. I, for the most part, I'm an introvert. Um I just kind of want to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. So, so when, but you know, I love kind of, you know, I love their sincerity. I think, um, I think the album, uh, what is it? Uh, my summer vacation. Past my summer vacation. Yeah. That, that's a great album. And I think that was the lead in, to, um, to why I started liking this album so much because on summer vacation, they started talking about getting older and, they started talking about, you know, why your friends are important. They started talking about, you know, being in relationships and having them break up and, and, and things like that. And the music became more sophisticated. It's like, wow, Pete really can play the guitar. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. Mm-hmm. The bass is really good. The singing's really good. Everything is really good. And then for me, for Anchors Away, I'm, for better for for better or for worse, I am a, I'm going to put it on, I'm going to give it 10 minutes. And if I can't sink into it in 10 minutes, man, there's just too much music. There's too many, too much music, too many books. Like, it's hard for me to devote time to something. I just am like, I'm not going to enjoy this. So I stupidly put it on, and that first song, I just don't like it. Even now. Really? Even now. Apartment 5F? Is that, is that the yeah. yeah. Hold yeah. on. I got, I got it right here. Apartment 5F, yeah. Yeah, I I literally put that on when I started up. I go right to Kids and Heroes. Really? Yeah. Is it is it because it's like kind of like the speed punk thing they're doing, or just it's like just, it's a generic punk song? You know, it's not bad. If you put it on, I'm not gonna be like, ugh. But like Kids and Heroes, damn, that's a great fucking song. It is a great song. Okay, so before we get into each, I, I want to save right. these for when we get into All the right. tracks. But just like <laughs> so, so you you heard the record and. 
you had heard Summer Vacation before, right? Yeah. Because that, that was a record before it. And so you liked it. You liked Summer Vacation. And then you heard Anchors Away, and it was a change. And you said that, what, 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 was, what was your thought process of like, oh, like, what is this record? Now, I, I'm not going to... I almost have to qual- uh, quant- qualify this. Qualify. I was not, thank you, I was not a huge Bouncing Souls fan. Okay. Um, I think in the last 10 years, uh-huh. huge Bouncing Souls fan. Okay. Um, but I was not one of those, like, I'm going to go to the Warp Tour and see Bouncing Souls. Right. I, you know, again, I've kind of said before, like, indie rock, um, industrial music, stuff like that. Um, you know, I love, I love my punk stuff. I got a huge collection of it. But I'm not like, yes, punk is, you know, the only thing I listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a podcast that Damien from Fucked Off, Fucked Up does um, called Turned Out a Punk. Okay. And I sit here and listen to him. He's like, yes, and I have the seven inch from this band that you've never heard of who hasn't been around in 47 years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he gets into all these like little intricacies. And like Henry Rollins does the same thing where he's like, I have the B-side of this band you've never heard of that only came out in France and he'll sit there and tell me and I'm like I'm not like that with music sure and I'm definitely not like that with like certain like punk like if you want you know I can get into like obscure graphic designers Mm -hmm. or obscure authors but like when it comes to music my knowledge and thirst for it doesn't go that deep because I just don't have the time for it okay um so Bouncing Souls were like a band that you know if my wife put it on I would listen to them and right. I'd enjoy them right. and they would be great. Um, and then, yeah, Summer Vacation came out and I liked it. Okay. But I wasn't like, yeah, this is going to be my soundtrack. And and so when, <laughs> like the Gold record. Yeah, that was after, that was even after Anchors Away. Gold record yeah. was uh, bah, 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 2006. Okay. Yeah. Like, meh. I, I, I like Sounds of the City, great song uh-huh. off of that. But, um, and then, like, uh, was a Comet. I listen to Comet all the time. Right. Simplicity, I'm still trying to dig into. Comet's 2012. Simplicity was 2016. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, um, man, I've done, yeah, I've worked with them for a while. Um, so so I when I came to you, I was like, you know, there's this Epitaph podcast. And then this was the first record you chose. So why why did you choose Anchors Away? Because like, for, for me, it's their, it's their best one. Okay. Um, I saw... Bouncing Souls play a whole bunch of times uh, in like the 2012 area. Um, I started working with other bands who were influenced by the Souls. And I remember actually going out and seeing Gaslight Anthem and Bouncing Souls in Chicago. And I just remember watching Pete play a solo. Oh, man, what song is it? for Sing Along Forever, Mm -hmm. watching him on stage, and I've done this multiple times, and seeing him play that solo, and he just kind of closes his eyes, and he kind of scrunches up, and he does this little thing where he rocks rocks to the right, and he just nails it. Mm -hmm. And I seriously get goosebumps whenever that solo comes on. You know, a lot of this album for me, I can relate to as a 40 year old man with two kids who I don't have many regrets, but there are things in this record that are mature and everlasting. You know, the idea of like singing along forever, Mm -hmm. you know, finding music that will get you through the day 
is really important. And looking back, you know, there's so many bands I like, but I can't ever sit down and go like, you know, yeah, I'm having a bad day and no effects is going to, I'm going to be able to relate to those, mm-hmm. those songs. It's like, I can't, and I'm not putting them down. They've written some great songs, but it's not, it's not something I can commiserate with, you know? Sure. You know, there's something about music written, like Tom Waits, you know, I listened to him when I was 16 and I can listen to him now and it's the same song and I can get different meaning out of it. Mm-hmm. Anchors Away is just an album where, you know, when it came out, I didn't get it and now I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it's just an it's it's about older people having real issues and real regrets and looking forward and kind of being scared mm-hmm. but also being hopeful yeah that's 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 like a huge underlying theme like with a lot of the soul stuff is that it's hopeful and it's positive mm-hmm. you know regardless of you know until the darkness was gone and all that <laughs> stuff you right. know uh, and I, yeah. Oh, but I was saying, like, I think this is the album when they really turned into that direction. Hmm. You know, before that, it was a lot of like, you know, let's go out and have fun. Yeah. I would okay. There, there. So there, there were there were pieces of it though, because like you mentioned, hopeless romantic. Like, mm-hmm. it's the, that's a positive song because it's not just like a sad emo song. Because it's the what are the words? I'm a hopeless romantic, and you're just hopeless. Right. You know, it's like I'm a I'm I'm happy with who I am and all this mm-hmm. stuff and being a hopeless romantic. And then you know you have gone, which is on spent, uh, how I spent my summer vacation. Oh, that's a killer song. Till that darkness was gone, and then uh, uh, what's the other big song on that record that I can't pull for some reason? Uh, Come on, we have the internet. Jeez Louise. You can look that shit up. Um, so, anyway, while while you look that up, you're in good company because this is Dave Hawes' favorite um, favorite Bouncing Souls record as well. Which one? This one. Anchors Away? Anchors right. Away. And, uh, I mean, let, let's be straight through. How I Spent My Summer Vacation is a killer, is a killer record. I think that's my favorite. Um, you know, Private Radio, True Believers. True Believers, of course. I, the a, fucking, I forgot True Believers. That's yeah. a great song. But I think a lot of I think a lot of the songs are they're written from people who are twenty something, late twenties, and trying to convince themselves that when I'm forty, these beliefs I'll still hold true to. Interesting. Like, I, I, I consider myself a punk still. Okay. But I have a job where, you know, I work at National Institutes of Health. Okay. And you, you would get some people who go, like, well, that's not punk. You know, you're, you're not working for yourself full time anymore. And, da, 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 da. and I think, like, the True Believer songs, that mentality would deride me mm-hmm. whereas i think the mentality of of anchors away is we understand mm-hmm. and this doesn't define who you are in your in your core you know like i i have two kids and um they don't like sports and so i do cub scouts with them now when i show up at the cub scout meetings with tattoos that are clearly visible um rocking some cool glasses and wearing a really ill-fitting scout uniform, you know, that's a contradiction in terms. I mean, Cub Scouts are, 
you know, kind of the ultimate squeaky clean conservative activity. Type yeah. Thing. yeah, yeah. No, they take. They're now accepting trans kids, I, I didn't, which I didn't is really that. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew. Up, I mean, I I grew up. I was a Boy Scout, um, advanced really high. Blah blah blah. blah. I had long hair. I listened to everything I listened to, and my scoutmaster was like, and my dad said this too. He's like, I don't care if you have purple hair as long as you say please and thank you, mm-hmm. you know. And I, you know, my scoutmaster was ext- extremely supportive of me, and so I'm like, hey, I'm gonna do the same thing with my kids. So like, you know, I'm I'm punk as hell, and I'm trying to make these kids know that you can be punk as hell mm-hmm. and know how to tie a bowline knot. Yeah, you know. So. I can't remember what review I was reading. It was somebody's review of this record, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how they were at a Bouncing Soul show. And like one of their favorite things is you look around at a Bouncing Soul show, and you have you have the guys and girls with mohawks, that mm-hmm. are, you know, or or you know, quote unquote, crust punks. You have people. You have like sorority girls there. You have just like regular normcore dudes that are just there. There's like this huge array of different types of people but like everyone's there for the same reason right and you know likes the same thing and it's just truly this thing that kind of brings all of these different people together and again as we've said on this show before like people saying that's not punk that's not punk like nothing what is more punk rock than being the police about punk rock like come on like whatever um Here's one little nugget I'll give you though, right? But we're gonna get into the into the the track by track. But one little nugget I'll give you that I think you would think is fun. So this is Pete talking about the he, he was doing this interview about the record uh, on Jersey Beat, and uh, he was talking about the cover art of Anchors Away. And okay. I'm sure you can think of it in your head right yeah, now. Yeah. And so he said, I remember someone. I think it was someone at Epitaph, you know, whatever, telling us. Well, we don't think the album cover is punk enough. And then Brian laughs, and and the only thing that Pete Pete uh, Pete had said to himself was, uh, "This is so gay." <laughs> Epitaph is doing this. Well, the thing that kills me about the cover, mm-hmm. and it and it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a generic cover to me. But what kills me is being a designer. Mm-hmm. The typeface they use is like this really hokey typeface. And I remember just being like, really? It's like, it's like a, it's almost kind of like, uh, for that one? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it almost kind of looks like uh, a derivative or like a cousin of Papyrus without like the, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I, and I could be wrong. There's this company called House Industries and they put out a whole set called Sign Painter. And I think this is part of that <laughs> set. And I remember just looking at that being like, really? You fucking used that? You know, like you, this illustration is really nice. Well, like that is just like this. This is like the generic typeface that you know. It's like the bouncing souls. Um, you know, do you want a free puppy underneath of it? Like it's it's just this like stupid typeface. Interesting. That hot take, I'll say. What was that? <laughs> hot take. Yeah, it's just it's like horrible. I mean, it's right up there with like Comic Sans for like you know with with graphic designers. It's like oh, I need to do something handwritten. I'll use the sign painter font. Right. And so when I saw that, I was like, who? Come on, really? Well, like, it seemed like what they were trying to do is because they have like their own, I guess you can call it a typeface where it's those like yellow bubble letters, you know, that yeah. they were using for a while. And like, obviously, like, I think that they meant to show that this is a, this is a, you know, kind of like, it's a more, not a departure, but it's it's something different. And I mean, like, to your point, like the, the artwork of it, the, the water like that is exactly what I think when I hear like it's 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 one and the same with the intro to uh, to kids and heroes, you know, right. it, it I don't know. It just seems it's like the perfect image for me with that. 
but uh, do I have you here? Who yeah, did I the, actually know the new Ernie Parada did the layout design for it. You know, no, no comment. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, so we're gonna we'll, let's get into the the track by track, and so this opens up with not your favorite uh, song on the record, Apartment Five F. Personally, I think that this is a this is a great way to open up a record like. It, oh yeah, oh, yeah. This, builds, is, this, this, part, this part's great. Yeah, but when it gets to the more of the speed punk uh, bit of it, you're not so into it. Yeah, I, I like this. Okay. just wait till it breaks in but and then it loses you here yeah it just you know it it's just that thing of like oh this is great it's kind of nice build up it's a nice build up it's a nice build up and now it's just a generic punk song okay i i mean i i will say i think that's a bit reductionist because like you can say that I think that you can say that about a lot of punk songs. That this oh, is yeah. like a generic punk song. Yeah, but that but that's one of the reasons why I don't listen exclusively yeah, to punk. You were saying that, yeah. You know, it's kinda of like hardcore music to me. Like and it's like indie rock. It's like anything, like classic or whatever. Um you know, I never there are certain bands I fucking love. And this is a band I fucking love. But this is just kind of like, okay, cool. You're you're playing fast and you're 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 yelling and you've done this on like last you know four or five albums mm-hmm. like this to me doesn't it's not a good first song if this was song number 10 great great number 10 song you know mm-hmm. pulls me back in but for me yeah i just hear it and i'm like okay cool move okay. on now I, the 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 chorus you know that has a good swing to it you know that kind of has it, it slows it down a little to bit half time and it's like that it's up the, hey yeah hey and, hey, and, and that's yeah. good you know, but yeah, I, I, I put this on, I, I immediately just go to the next song. Hmm. Okay, well, let's go to the next song, which was everybody's first taste of this record, because this was the first single, uh, and it's called Kids and Heroes, and they had like a little, a little video for it, too. And I think the minute that people heard like the acoustic guitar and the arpeggiated guitar, the right. slower tempo. People were like, uh-oh, like, what's going on with the Bouncing Souls? Oh, see, dude, goosebumps, like, literally getting goosebumps sure, right now. Sure, but na- now, and I, I, I don't know if you felt this way originally, but I think a lot of people sort of, heard, this was their first taste of the record, and they heard this, and it was just like, oh boy, like, are they trying to do, like, some kind of, like, break into, like, the more, like, mainstream alt-rock scene or something like right. that? I think maybe some people were worried about that. Even though certainly that wasn't the intention at all, right. but like I think that's where people's minds kind of went to with a lot of that stuff. Well, I, th- I mean, look at any any band that matures well. Their first albums. I mean, look look at Radiohead. Mm-hmm. I mean, Creep is a great song, but it's it's a guitar song. You know, you know, it's not a complicated song to play. I think like one of the first times I'm a shitty bass player. Mm-hmm. That's like one of the first songs I learned how to play. Sure. Okay, Balancing Souls when they first started, what they were like teenagers, mm-hmm. and so those those songs are simple and they're straightforward, and they you know like a good punch, you know they have impact to them, 
you know, and I think this is why I'm drawn to this record. It really is like, wow, they know how to play now. They know how to write really good songs now. Mm-hmm. You know, Jersey is a, you know, especially where they're from, is filled with talented musicians. Yeah, I mean Springsteen, boom, right there. You know, that's really all we need to say. If you're if you're from Jersey, it's gonna be, you know, a Springsteen reference if you're playing rock and roll. And or Bon Jovi. <laughs> hey, Living on a Prayer was a good record, right? Like, <laughs> um, like I, Totally made out with somebody to that record. Um, oh, I did totally make out with somebody on that record. Was Who like, was it? Name names. You don't have to do that. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jersey. Jersey's got a great uh, musical heritage. But like the acoustic, like the way Kids and Heroes starts, and the lyrical content of it, it's like so mature and so articulate, and it's so to the point. Yeah. And it's a. You know, Kids and Heroes is about, you know, for me now, being older and looking at people you thought you admired and and thought were always going to be important to you mm-hmm. and realizing that, you know, they sold you out. They didn't end up doing what they were going to do. They didn't last long. It, it It's a really articulate, sophisticated um, telling of saying no one's going to be there for you except for yourself at the end of the day. Right. So the only thing you can control is how you live your life. Mm-hmm. You don't hear that much um, in in music. It's always about friends and girlfriends and da, da, da. this is like no. This is you have to rely on yourself, and if you can rely on yourself, you'll be okay. I think that the thing with this record was that, and the reason that it kind of like caught on later, you mm-hmm. know, with everyone was like kind of like let down and rooted out by it was like the I think the the bouncing souls are maybe few years ahead of where their fans are and that makes sense because they're the actual band but like you know maybe in terms of like what their lives were or things like that mm-hmm. and so a lot of their fans were like a few years younger than them and they still wanted that like straightforward like punk rock stuff but then as they got older you know and this record was still there they were like oh no now i get it now i know the place that they were when they put this together and the other thing i'll say that i think that holds this record and this song in particular up so well is that regardless of like what you think of it sonically and how you're comparing Mm. it to a faster partier poppier bouncing soul song Mm. is that it's so genuine the sentiment is so true it's all it's it's all such a solid thing it's it's well written to your point that like it's 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 hard to it's hard to shit on it, you know. Right. Like once you get past the superficial, like this isn't the bouncing souls that right. I know and all that right. stuff, you know. You can get past that stuff. You're like, oh shit, this is a fucking great song. Oh yeah, and and I'm angry because you said it so much better than Sorry I about did. That. It's well, all right. you can you can do the next one. I, I work better with uh, pictures, not words. Sure. Uh, what do you think of New Day? Oh, again, like this 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 song just fucking, <laughs> fucking slays. I'm not even gonna talk over it. Just so you're a wrestling guy. Oh yeah. So this was the opening song on uh, CM Punk's Best in the World DVD. You totally stole my story here. Yes. This is wait your story or was that like your just like little fact? This is my little fact. Oh, okay, sorry about that. You okay. say it. You say it. Oh no, no it'll no. sound better coming from you because no, I'm not. I'm not a wrestling fan. Oh, I, I love CM Punk. I've been following him for for uh, literally decades. Um, What's interesting is that Punk and Kofi Kingston were um, travel buddies. And Kofi Kingston is in a group within the WWE called The New Day. And I'd like to say that it is because of Punk that the name The New Day is uh, 
is around. Really? Yeah. Huh. But yeah, this is this is another great song. This is another one. Um, you know, like I had a really shitty week last week. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My cat of sixteen years died. Oh, I'm sorry. What? Yes, and <laughs> she kind of she was to run to the litter, and you know. I don't want to sound all like sappy emo vegan guy, but you know, 16 years is a long time to have this. Sure. Little, you know, uh, this is a cat that's been around. You know, I have pictures of this cat with my baby and all that. I've been really sick all week. Um, a couple work things happened that I wasn't thrilled about, and I went to the gym last night after being sick. I haven't been there in a while. And my gym is like a little community of people who I admire and I get along with and we're friends. And uh, I was thinking about this morning, I did my workout and everyone afterwards, it was, uh, I do CrossFit. Yes, the vegan CrossFit guy, sorry. I'm living up to a stereotype here. But um, afterwards, you know, I got done doing the workout and I was just like, you know, I've had a bad week. Tomorrow's a new day. I'm gonna move on. I'm meeting this nice guy, Kent. And we're all, you know, you know, we're going to be fine. Yeah. And that's this song encapsulates that, Mm -hmm. you know, things suck. It'll get better. I think that like, yeah, there's there's this idea of like this record and like it's them like putting putting things into perspective and things with a lot of bad stuff in life, but not bad stuff like like heavy bad stuff I think because this this record also you know came out after this was I think their first record after 9-11 mm-hmm. you know and so I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of their, their East Coast guys their tri-state area guys I wouldn't be surprised if like they were dealing with a lot of that stuff too and like a lot of this is like okay there here's the hangover here's the hangover from the party if we want to yeah. if we want to do the extend the metaphor like okay how do you deal with the hangover from the right. party and all that stuff and New Day is is again like a, a great like encapsulation of all that stuff and also don't put yourself down too much because vegan CrossFit guys is like a huge part of my demographic. So you're speaking to, yes. you're, you're preaching to the choir here. So Dave, Dave Castro is going to follow you and then say <laughs> shit about you on uh, Twitter. I, I would, I, I would love the, I, I would love if someone was saying shit about me because just so long as they're saying shit oh, about the dude, podcast, dude, it's, it's, it's not nearly as much fun as you think. Yeah. If they're talking about it, man, there's no such uh, thing as bad press. No, no, you, I, I get the, I get the uh, random, uh, fuck you, do some posters for good bands. And you're just like, what do you even say to that? You know, oh, no, <laughs> I, 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 only, I only do work for good bands. Fuck you, sell out. These should be free. Um, well, they're not. So you should buy some. Yeah. Just like just be very matter of fact with all that stuff. I uh, every, every <laughs> once in a while, um, like I, I have friends who are way more hardcore than me. Marrying a therapist was one of the smartest moves I ever, I ever made because it has just saved me millions in therapy fees. <laughs> Um, I, I strongly suggested for like Woody Allen or like Larry David, they should all just marry therapists. Um, but like, yeah, like after this week, I'm like, I should do and say this and blah, blah, blah. blah. And they're like, is it going to fix anything? I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. And they're like, fuck it. Don't say anything. It'll piss them off even more. And she's right. So yeah. Feeding the trolls. Don't, don't feed the trolls. They're just horrible people. So another banger of a song on this record Sing along forever. Oh yeah. This is on the Burnout 3 takedown soundtrack for all you Burnout 3 fans out there. 
But one of the things I like realize is like, for me, like compilations like Punkarama and like other label like comps, but also like a great way to for me to find like other bands, but also like. I played like a lot of like Tony Hawk growing mm-hmm. up and those all had like fucking awesome soundtracks, you know, and I loved listening to the music on there as you're playing it. Cause it's all like, it, it was, I guess one of the first times that you had like all of these like real bands putting real songs and it wasn't just like this, like generic, you know, generic eight bit, 16 bit, whatever, 32 bit, like, you know, MIDI music being put together. Oh, I love that music though. There's, I'm all right. So I won't downplay its merit, but it's also cool to hear like, oh, here's this real band in this like made up world of right. this stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I always try to mention that whenever there's something's on the soundtrack, because like I found I, I don't know if I, I, I'm try, I can't remember exactly what bands I found through like listening to playing Tony Hawk or like other shit like that. Right. But there was a bunch. There's absolutely a bunch. And it was a such a fun part of those games was like being able to listen to that music. Too. See, and, and that's one of those things like there's so much music out there Mm -hmm. like i i get angry that i there's so much killer music out there and i won't be able to listen to all of it um i have friends who like run clubs and whatnot and at the end of the year they're like oh here are like the the 10 15 best records that um you know that we've heard this year and it's all like obscure bands or bands that you know aren't in all the magazines or on pitchfork and Mm -hmm. i always write all of them down and start listening to them because as great as it is to see bands live i just don't have the time to do it as as much anymore um but yeah compilation records back in the day you get them for like three dollars and 99 cents fucking great and they were like in the little crappy so good um paper sleeves samplers yeah yeah uh. and i get those and like go home and like just throw away the sleeve and like listen to it and i get pissed off that i threw with the sleeve because song number seven is like the story of my life right now <laughs> and then i have to like go back and find it like dig through the trash yeah um so this song born free the next song on the record just because of the name i sometimes conflate the name with uh born to lose which is another bouncing soul song right. uh, obviously completely different song but uh they both have born in the title any, any thoughts on this? this? This is... This kind of goes back to, like, song number one to me. But the lyrics are so much better. Okay. And this is kind of like the, I'm at the gym, I'm angry, I'm going to throw this on so I can, like, lift a whole lot of weight okay. and just be, like, angry. And it's... What's interesting to me is if... If you didn't know their political persuasions, which I don't, you this can go either way, left or right. You know, because it is this like, I'm born free. No one can tell me what to do. You know, it kind of uses the generic, is it's better to die on your feet than to live on your knees. Like, it's totally just an all encompassing punk rock. I am my own island. Fuck you. Yeah. And I mean, I think, well, I think if, if we were, we're in Washington, D.C., we're Washington, D.C. adjacent. So, like, yeah, we can, we can talk a little bit about politics with this stuff. But I think that there's a lot of like, things in punk that like would line up with like say libertarianism you know right because libertarianism is just like uh don't tell me what the fucking do you know i want right. to i kind of want to do what i want i know i'm diminutizing that a lot to all my libertarian listeners and out there but like there's 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 uh relationships to those things right yeah. there's core well, like well i yeah. think greg did a podcast so i'm not speaking out of turn he lives in like some desolate state like Idaho or Montana or mm-hmm. someplace now. I know they all live in separate states now, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think, 
I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't want to speak for anybody. Um, but Greg just seems like, yeah, I made a bunch of money. I'm just going to live out here and do whatever I want now. But that, but I think to to so speaking, the, but there's a different. Like, there's a different like before you know, like living in Maine. Yeah. Okay, is a very different mindset than living in like DC or like other urban areas. Sure. There's a I want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. I want to do what I want to do, and I don't want someone telling me what to do. You know, I don't want people looking at me. I don't want people judging me. And I completely relate to that. Mm. And so like this song and kind of uh, some of the other ones are just, are, are like that. Um, the next uh, couple down, Simple Man's like that. Mm. Just like, I just want to live my life and I just want to do what I want to do. And I didn't ask for your opinion about that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I appreciate that. So Inside Out is the next track. As a father, do you have to watch a lot of animated movies? Oh God, yes. Do you like it? Did you like Inside Out? <laughs> that wasn't a bad one. I didn't think it was. I thought it was good. It wasn't my favorite Pixar movie, no. but I liked it. It was cute. I don't. Uh, I got choked up. You did watching it. Yeah. yeah. When it was Bongo. Oh, the spoilers. Ah, that's not. That doesn't fucking matter. That movie's been out for long enough. But uh, Bongo the Clown or whatever. Yeah, it's not Bongo the Clown, but yeah, Bing Bong. Bing Bong. Bing Bong. I was close. Yeah, you were very close. I can't believe I pulled it. Yeah. Yeah. When says he does, more about, says more about you than me. Um, yeah, he. You know, he he passes, and I'm like, <laughs> and you got choked up from that. Yeah, but yeah, I listened to like I I watched so many shitty animated movies. You know what I got choked up at, and actually. It was uh, part of Inside Out, but it wasn't actually in Inside Out. So you know how they always have those, um, those like little shorts at the beginning of the movie. Yes. And I think the one for Inside Out was the one about those volcanoes. Oh yeah, that got me. That was man. good. That, that was got good. me choked up. I was I was tearing up at that. And like, I'm not like some like super dude who's like you know oh I never fucking cry or anything like that. You know. Things get me, and that one fucking got yeah. me. Holy shit, man. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I remember um, the movie Up, mm-hmm. the first, like, five minutes of that. Oh, yeah, because they're just and, setting the setting scene for all that stuff. My, my son looks at me, he's like, why are you having to just watch this? This is horrible. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, it's okay, buddy. He's like, mommy's going to die. And I was like... Okay, let's have this conversation. Yeah, yeah well, now. The, the, you're, 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 that's true. It's gonna happen at some point, but like, let's just watch this movie right now. Come yeah, on. <laughs> it gets better. There's yeah. a, there's a dog in it. Uh, and now, you're saying that there's a correlation between this song, Simple Man, and Born Free. Oh yeah, Th- this song is like when I'm having a bad day. Like this is my anthem. Uh huh. And there's a certain, it's it's somebody again older who's been working their ass off who just wants to be happy and content and i think when you're younger you know when i was first starting out doing what i do it's like i want to be the biggest in the world uh, i want this and i want this and i want this and at the end of the day it's like i want a little money in the bank i want to come home and be happy and I don't need all the money in the world. I don't need all the fame in the world. I don't need this, 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 this. I just want to be around nice people. Mm-hmm. And I just want to go to bed at night and be all right. Mm-hmm. And I want my kids to be safe. I want my family to be safe. I want my wife to be happy. And I don't need a big house. I don't need fancy cars and all that. I just want to be a simple man, 
you know, with a little peace of mind. Sure. And it's the the most basic of truths and happiness. And I literally will listen to that song and tear up. If I'm having a bad day, I will listen to that song and just be like, fuck, why can't I just have that? Do you know the song The Simple Life? It's like a Ella Fitzgerald like did a version of it, and like a few other people did a version Vaguely. of it. Vaguely. You should listen to it. I think right. you very much enjoy it. But I think the thing I'm realizing about you, Jeffrey, in terms of your musical taste, is so as you were saying before, you were like very much into like sort of the indie stuff and like a lot of the mm-hmm. I guess you said you mentioned emo stuff, so I'll, I'll throw that in there as well. But a lot of this and what the way that you've been like talking about a lot of these songs, it's all very uh, lyric heavy, and so like the words, and you said you're a big reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, you uh, you know like the words. Granted, they're hugely important. They should be hugely important. In every song, like they weigh more than maybe the musicality does. Like the guitar parts and things yeah. like that. You can appreciate them, sure, yeah. but like you really, really look into what this song is saying and like how it sounds. And the faster songs to your to to that, like the things that go fast, where it's a little bit more harder to hear the words and mm-hmm. the lyrics and things like that, it seems like kind of downplay those a little bit. Just just a little yeah. thread that I've I've kind of pulled out from all this. Wow, you you and my wife should get together and analyze me. Mm. Um, a lot of it is these are my companions throughout the day. Sure, I. I don't talk to many people. Mm-hmm. So these are the things that get me through. Like spoken, like I love Henry Rollins, um, platonically, of course, because. Uh, of course. Of course. Um, more so for his spoken word stuff. Right. And like get in the van um, than his music. Those music means a lot to me as well. Because living in a really small town where you don't have neighbors, you know, hearing a human voice is important to me for a connection to a larger world. And so when I listen to music, I want something that like speaks a truth to me and I can have a kinship with. Now I listen to, you know, what's awesome is that we have podcasts and I listen to a lot of NPR um, and those get me through the day. Songs are, songs are great but they mark three minutes of my time. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that can get overwhelming. I'm like, fuck, I just listened to this whole album and that was 30 minutes. And uh, God damn, this day is going to go long. But if I can listen to a long podcast, oh. it'll get, it'll, you know, it'll, it'll, um, it'll get me through. So yeah, I, I want to relate to the music because it, it kind of guides my life. Uh-huh. You know, it's like we were talking about no, no FX before. You know, and again, nothing wrong with no FX. They're a great band, but I, I don't necessarily relate to it. Sure. You know, I don't yeah. have a sex dungeon. <laughs> um, well, I, I think a lot of that stuff, like it's it's it is a different type of uh, sentiment, isn't the right word, but subject matter. Like a lot of those are meant to be kind of like silly, like surreal type things. You know, it's, oh, yeah. you, you like I mean, that's that's their, one of their whole big things. They're taking the piss out of stuff. You know, yeah, taking the piss out of the fucking status quo. <laughs> you know, um, well, like Rocket from the Crypt. You know, or mm-hmm. like that. It's like. Oh, really want to hear about a dick on a dog but it's a great fucking song you know i mean i saw a song like that i want to hear that song song called (laughs) they have a song called like a dick on a dog um and i wonder what the other part of what the other side of that analogy is because that's like half of it yeah oh man it's a great it's a good they're they're a killer like last time i saw the souls they played in um asbury park at the stone pony i'm just gonna play better days under this while you're while you're saying that okay to and um, it was uh, the explosion opened, who fucking killed it. Okay. Um, Rocket from the crypt, who fucking killed it. 
and then Bouncing Souls, who, you know, fucking killed it. We left halfway through their set, though, because the crowd got so violent. Really? Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah, it was really bad. That sucks. And I remember, um, I remember thinking, like, this is a killer song. Um, I remember thinking, God, I wonder what it must be like to be on stage and seeing people just getting, like, punched in the face. Right. And just being like, that's my crowd. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, some stupid idiots who feel like yeah i saw like um we were there and there was some dudes who were super drunk and they grabbed they grabbed onto each other and just started spinning i mean the place was packed and they're yeah. on pavement right and they nailed a father holding his son or daughter his daughter on his shoulders and knocked them over and like the girl went down hard and i remember just being like you're assholes like that's not like having fun because they're not even in the pit well, yeah, it seemed like they were trying to clear one out, but I guess that's like the negative side of having all of these different, like sort of like cultures like mixing together in right. like at like a bouncing social. Is you'll have the dad. So what you're saying like, is that kid. we should have segregation. Absolutely, okay. separate but equal. It's it's. Listen, if that's not what people are getting out of this podcast, that this is what the world should be, separate but equal. Yes. Then I'm I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, you said this yeah. was the podcast for the alt right. So. I said it's I said it's alt rock <laughs> for the alt right, baby. This is all jokes. Yes, of course. Yes, that must be explained. Yeah. Oh, I mean, some people don't get the facetiousness of that. This is but, totally going to be edited. So like, rockets are red, or for the alt right. Yeah, I'm gonna so. do I'm gonna do that thing like in the Simpsons yeah. where he just like takes the pieces out of it yeah. and it makes you like I can make the sentence yeah. uh, that'll be a fun thing to do but uh, Night Train I believe Brian sings this one right I think so yeah and yeah, then yeah. Greg does oh but yeah I mean how I mean you can hear the pain in his voice when he's singing this you know because he clearly just broke up with somebody and he knows it's the wrong it's not the best idea, but he knows he needs to do it. I mean, it's like putting down an animal. You know, I don't want to have my cat. <laughs> interesting. Well, no, well, no, no, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't have that look because, like, no, I was just like, that's an interesting thought. It's the, this idea of, like, you know, I mean, look at, you know, like, there's a piece that I can't find, and he knows that staying with this person, it's comfortable and it's good, but, man, I got I to gotta move on because this isn't ultimately this isn't going to be a good thing so mm -hmm. it's like you know i put i i had to have my cat go to sleep this uh this last weekend and it was like you know she's still around she's still feisty and all that but she's like two pounds now you know she's not long for the world so like when do you make that decision to put your animal to sleep and it's it's like this it's like well i'm in this relationship i know it's not good i know it can be better i know there's something else out there this is going to hurt a lot. So I'm going to rip that Band-Aid off and I'm just going to, you know, get on the road and leave. And it's, you know, like, damn, that's that's a hard thing. So this is straight from Brian. This is from that same Jersey Beat, like, interview where he said, uh, uh, one second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, that's expensive. This I was, know. Yeah, sorry. That's right. okay. That's okay. Uh, Jeff just picked up a <laughs> bottle of water that's provided by the hotel, but it's uh, if you open it, it costs three fifty. Um, so I was trying to signal like uh, if there's like cups in the bathroom if the you want to pour yourself a glass of water. The booze is free, but the water yeah, that'll, that'll cost exactly. you. Exactly. 
Um, but this is from this is from Brian yeah, that he said in that same interview where he said a big breakup I went through inspired a lot of these those words and somehow the band being the cohesive singular minded unit that we really are everyone was on the same sort of wavelength all the songs that everyone wrote had a slightly darker feel I think we kind of realized somewhere along the way that we were onto making a sort of darker record and. And kind of like went with it. It's kind of cool. After summer vacation, nobody saw it coming. Nobody saw Anchors Away coming. And a hush fell over the fan base. We were like, wow, nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. What a dud. And it took a solid year or two to catch on. And so that was Brian saying yeah. all that stuff. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's this is, a, this is a heavier song. And it seemed, it's interesting that like how, like obviously they're, they all seem like they're pretty close friends by now, you know. Yeah. They're more or less the same unit, you know, as when they started. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're all they all been going through the same stuff. Uh, aside from aging, just going through the same uh, the same like uh, story arc of their lives of like from nothing to this like big mm. punk band, you know. And uh, so a lot of that stuff syncs up. It's like uh, it's like an, it's like the way their emotions are syncing up. It's like a period, you know. Yeah. When periods sync up, you know. <laughs> That's how that stuff works, right? Well, I mean, any I mean, when you're when you're in a band. It's terrifying because you have to rely on the other people for your living. Mm-hmm. You know, if if one person falls away, you know, the Bouncing Souls can't go out and play without Greg or mm-hmm. without Pete or whomever. You know, you have to have that core in order to be successful. Right. Um, you can have a band member here and there get replaced, but you need to have that core spirit. And man, like this song... You know, with Brian singing, and he has that, he's not a singer, but there's this honesty and sincerity in what he's singing and what he's, um, and how he's singing. Mm-hmm. And the lyrics are, you know, to be blunt, they're basic. They're not poetry, mm-hmm. but they're this, like, it's this, like, core, you know, this isn't working. And sometimes that's all you can say is just yeah. this isn't working. It's, it's, I need to leave. This hurts. This sucks. It's completely straightforward, but it's, right. it's visceral, like you were saying, yeah. because like you can tell that it's very raw. Like there's no artifice of like, oh, what's what's a what's a better way to say this? No, right. he's just like this is this is what I'm fucking thinking. Right. You know? And and he has this kind of like not guttural, but just almost like spoken kind of way of of singing. And yeah. then with Greg, he hits that great high note at oh, the yeah. end, and it's just like you're like, oh. This is just a this is just a gut stab. Do you Listen. know the Do you know the wrestling connection for this song? Oh, please tell me. I'm, uh, I'm disappointed. I don't know this. CM Punk, of course. He used this. This This is the intro music before his final match uh, in ROH. I don't know what ROH means. Ring of Honor. A oh, Ring of Honor. I fucking love Ring of Honor. There you go. What is Ring of Honor? Um, they're now owned um, by Sinclair Broadcasting in Baltimore, and that really is for me Ring of Honor. Um, is one of my favorite wrestling promotions. They have they had all the big ones like CM Punk, Samoa Joe, Brian Danielson. I had Brian Danielson, who's a former WWE champion, like land in my lap one time when I saw them. Uh, I, I actually do work with some of the wrestlers there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is a great promotion. It's, it's small. They'll have like a thousand people at their shows and they just beat the shit out of each other. Mm. And what's weird is like I'm taller than all of them, uh, but they can all kick my ass. Sure. Uh yeah, I know Punk used to go out to um, an AFI song, and what is amazing is um, is uh, 
the way that like punk would go out is he would just play music that defied the genre like mm-hmm. wrestling it's like, like macho rock and roll music and he had an afi song that was like slow was like misericordia okay and it was like the slow ominous kind of song and people would like like um they had steel banners and people would smack the steel banners to the beat it was, oh it's, that's awesome it was chills yeah if you ever want to see a great wrestling promo um cm punk talking about raven and being straight edge Okay. And whenever I watch it, CM Punk's like, you're just like my dad who would come home from work and drink a uh, drink a beer while taking a shower. And he, you know, my dad always let me down and so do you. And you're just like, fuck, that's real. Just, I mean, just like the, the souls, like, oh, it's like real. So the next track is Todd's song, which is uh, their uh, dedication to, uh, here we go, here it is. It's a dedication to Todd Eckhart. Of the pie tasters, he uh, passed away in 2001. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know it was for him. Yeah, uh, and a lot of people, the, what I've seen, while you know, nothing against the sentiment of the song, they they kind of think like this is the weak point, weak point of the record. Oh no, this is a great song. I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily it's a agree sad, with that. It's a sad song. Yeah, 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 you know. And fuck, I'm old. I've had friends die. Mm-hmm. I've had friends, you know, who are in bad relationships and all that. And this is just another one of those like, hey, you know. Hopefully it'll get better, mm-hmm. you know. Which seems to be the obviously the prevailing theme of the record. And then immediately after is Blind Dates. Yeah, for me, this is just another it's fast that, one. As soon as you hear that, that sort of like quick beat. And I like it. It's yeah. a good it's a good connection from Taz's song to Highway Kings. And it's, okay. It's kind of a nice like I can sit there and like thump my fingers on the steering wheel, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it has like that kind of like right now you can kind of like the little swing. This is like when the 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 bros in the pit start doing the floor punches and the spin kicks, mm-hmm. um, and the sisses, the bros and the sisses. Th- in the that's pit. true. That's true. Well, I'm, I'm using bro as an overarching uh, term sure, gotcha. for the idiots who feel the need to randomly kick me right in the balls yeah. um, blindly, mm-hmm. blindly. I remember I went to see um, a band I love called Damnation, and this is like when I was like I don't know, 20 or so, and a dude was just doing spin kicks, and he just whacked this one girl right in the face and just laid her out, yeah. and he and he was doing that the whole, like, I'm just doing like a mule kick right behind me kind of thing, and he went and just slammed <laughs> it right in the balls. I'm, I'm, I'm literally imagining a human being, like, getting down on, on all fours and doing a mule kick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and he went to go do it again, and I grabbed his foot, took his shoe off, and chucked it all the way to the other gym. He's like, what the hell? <laughs> and I literally was just like, you just cut me with the fucking balls. And it, yeah, so, like, that's this is the song when um, I did a road trip. And I saw Souls play uh, like New York, Philly, DC. Mm-hmm. The New York show was like rambunctious, but like containable. The Philly show, when this song came on, people just beat the shit out of each other. And I remember just being, because I'm, I, I've, I wear expensive glasses, mm-hmm. and I don't like getting hit anymore. Mm-hmm. So I usually am like off to the side or up top. And I remember when when this song came on, my wife and I just looked at each other like, oh, my God, people were just killing each other. Right. And then, like, you know, they played a slow song and everyone was like, Ugh, and went, and got, went and got a beer. 
So you were saying that this is a good link from Todd's song to Highway Kings. Now, let's get to Highway Kings. This is my favorite fucking song on this record. All I right. absolutely love this song. I, it's, it's a quick, short, compact song, you know? It's got a quick verse. It's got kind of a quick hook, which is what this is. Right. But then it leads into that bridge that does this like does this like signature like bouncing souls this this part right here right. like like that tone of the lead guitar i think that's like such a signature bouncing souls thing and then it just like everything like coalesces you have the gang vocals you know I, the I, I, this is i love this to me i, I, I love this to me jesus christ <laughs> this, this is how I, I sound when i hear this because like Fuck yeah! It, it's it's great. Right. I think it's so good. You don't like this song, do you? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. This song to me is the song before "Anchors Away." Okay. Which I is can my see that. which is my favorite song. No, no, no. <clears throat> a bad song on this record to me yeah. is like a seven out of a ten. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Still yeah, yeah. a really good song. Yeah. Not a ten. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, this this is a great song. I that I, I, I that's the song that if I listen to this record, I'll put that on first, and then I'll go and start at the top, you know, and then I'll finish uh, it off with listening to that song again. Because interesting. I, I love it so much. But okay, so it's the lead into the title track, the titular track, "Anchors Away." So this this for you is by far and away. Yeah. The, let's okay. just let's just sure. enjoy this. You know what? I'm gonna start it over. The day my grandfather died, um, I was supposed to go see the Bouncing Souls, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually found out like downstairs I was wrapping the posters for the show, and uh, my brother calls me and he's like, "Yeah, you know, your grandfather just died," and uh, I actually had this song on. Oh my god! Yeah, and so uh, this song like means a lot to me. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is, like, when I die, I want the song played. Because it's such, like, a, you know, it's a happy song, it's a sad song, it's an energetic song. It's a it's a glorious song. I think there's a yeah. lot of glory to this song. Yeah. You know, it's the, it's the fact that it's, like, a little slow and drawn out and just, like, starting to use, like, Greg's got, Greg's got such a powerful, unique voice. Right. And starting to use it for these, like, slower, more drawn out that's not the right word but like you know what i'm saying like legato songs like right it's it's a beautiful marriage of that stuff yeah, yeah. and i gotta say like i mean the everything about this song is perfect to me like uh-huh. this is a top five song for me oh okay um really what does it is just like how it almost sounds like um brian slides his bass in like he kind of like hits a note and it's like mm. and it's just that kind of like thump everything coalesces like this song just kills me now i didn't know that this was what like a cover or the lyrics 
come from someplace else, like you were saying at the beginning of the song. Oh, no, 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 no. So, so Anchors Away, and with it, it's a, Away is spelt A-W-E-I-G-H, you right. know, which is a, a pun, you know, on things. That's also the name of the United States Navy's uh, fight song. Oh, okay. But, and also the name of a movie that was right. with Gene Kelly and, and Frank Sinatra that was about two guys in the Navy. But uh, <laughs> it is not the same song. It's not a cover. They're okay. just borrowing from that. I took I took a passage from from the Navy song, and then I took a separate passage right. from their song, and I meant to juxtapose those. Okay. I guess I didn't do such a good job in the intro of that. But like, no, no, no. It's 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 an allusion to it, okay. but it doesn't borrow anything really from, yeah, from that Yeah, I mean, song. This, this is just one of those, like... You know, for me, it's a life is really hard kind of song and you just have to let it go and like let life and the experiences and all that. Just let them go and have your friends and have the people you love move forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for so I don't know if this is necessarily about death, but for me, it is. Sure. Last time I was supposed to see The Balancing Souls was last weekend and I didn't, I didn't end up going up to Boston uh, for a variety of reasons, but I was supposed to go see them play, mm-hmm. and like my cat died. Right now, I'm not saying a grandfather and a cat are the same thing. No. There's, but this, you know, this band for me always kind of brings the good and brings the pain as well. Like there's there's different associations with them, but you know, for the, for me, this song just just slays me. Like this is a perfect song, and. Um, you know, I remember talking uh, to um, Brian when he was tattooing me and just being like, this song like just means so much to me because of, um, you know, all the connections. And I hope that this song, you know, when I die or whomever passes away, like brings comfort to other people. Because I think ultimately music is supposed to unite people and it's supposed to, good music is supposed to unite people. Uh, in in common experiences and common emotions, and this song just just does that perfectly. And I think that like regardless of whatever their original intent of this song was, like that's what they want you to do. Like right. that, that's that's I think at least for the Bouncing Souls and a lot of other artists, like that's their goal is for you to take the song and make it your own right. and put your own context into it because that is them putting something out there and then you applying it to to your subjective experience of the world, yeah. you know. And like I don't, I, I think that there is hardly a higher compliment that you can pay to an artist than to do that and have that like be part of yeah. your life. But what I'm gonna, I'm gonna, well, I'll play a little bit here. I don't know if you've heard it. This is the, this is oh, anchors away the Navy fight song. So a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is a, you're all going to go die on a beach somewhere, so we're going to send you a, a happy song. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I've seen the, these guys play this song before, and every time I get That's emotional, it. they just, um, the, the way that the band plays this, and seeing like the wave of the audience, either like crowd surfing or dancing or commiserating, is just, you know, I, when I saw them do this in Chicago, um, it's just like it's just a beautiful image to me you know some people are like oh go to your happy place this is like that for me mm-hmm. like if i'm having you know shit day i think about them playing and i can i can imagine all of them on stage and just be like all right anchors away let's just move past this and move on so it's obviously hard to do any kind of follow up 
at least in your eyes for that, but what do you think about the rest of the record? What do you think about like Get Lost, for instance, which is this track? Yeah, it's, it's tough because it's like, oh yeah, it's, it's the other three songs. And they're good, and they're good songs for an end of a record. You know, it's like, I get lost in my mind. Like, yep. You know, again, like, great, great record for me. This sounds a little bit like, a, to me, this song is a little bit like a, uh, a weird, like, carbon copy of Gone. Yeah. Because, like, it's got... My way. Yeah. It's kind of like, till that darkness was gone. Right. And even the beginning, how it kind of starts off with just the bass and the drums. Right. And it gets, and, and you hear Greg singing. It well, just, there's just like a lot of like the, the DNA of that song. In yeah. There, you know? I mean, it feels like, oh shit, the album's only uh, 40, you know, 30 minutes long. We gotta, we gotta tack on like three more songs. Okay. We have this one that we did. Uh, we replaced, Yeah, you know, we didn't put on the last album because it sounded like gone. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. Put this on the end. And it's a great, good song. This so, one is always weird. Like whenever I hear it, I'm like, "Is this the Dropkick Murphys?" <laughs> the day I turn my back on you. Is, is this Brian singing again? I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah. wait. Did, I sent you that video that was like, which on, I didn't, which I didn't watch because I didn't an, watch it because I'm an asshole. That's Sorry. okay. No, 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 no. There, there's no homework for this except to listen to the record. But I, I had sent Jeffrey, and you guys can find this on the YouTube. Uh, it is there's like a video like remember, remember when you'd buy a CD and it's like here's all these fucking CD ROM bonus extras right that would and like have, crash my computer and like give me a virus yeah oh yeah. Would that no they wouldn't give your computer a virus no 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 but I remember I, I distinctly had a few of those yeah like I remember like Rollins band had one of those and it fucked up my computer oh did it yeah so they had like some extra videos so they had like a behind the scenes video and it's them you know, doing like the the cool fun things that a band would do where they'll have like their own like handheld like camcorder and they'll like right. go around and show them like recording and it's not like professionally made, it's just them like kind of jerking around with a camcorder, uh, you know, doing all that stuff. But one of the cool things that you can see is of course them like how they're tracking the record and putting it all together. But I'm pretty sure it's for Anchors Away. You can see Greg in the booth singing it and you don't hear anything else but his voice, you know, singing that song. And like it really is like something else to be mm. able to see that. And also, this was recorded at a place called the Farm in Longville, Massachusetts. I don't know if that's close to where you grew up. Never at all. even heard of it. Never heard of it. It must have must have just been founded like after you left or something like that. Massachusetts is really long, and it's like it's like Pennsylvania. It's like you're drive you can drive across Massachusetts, and like five hours later, you're like fuck, I'm still in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a whole like the western side of Massachusetts. I know nothing about it. Uh -huh, interesting. I know Wilco like it, and that's about it. So this is the last song on the record. I'm from there. I think that this is I think that this is a good song, and this is a, a, a good way to close out the record. This is a reference to uh, their previous drummer and longtime friend that had left. Uh, what was it after the release of Hopeless Romantic? Uh, Ends it a little bit slower of a note, but uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a good, then, it's a good come down. And you know what? Even we're gonna do. Let's get to the hidden track, <laughs> the fall song. Uh, but we're at the end, my friend. My my wife. Oh. Is like, who's this person you're in a hotel room with? I'm a hot babe. Here we go. There you go. 
Uh, so, thanks a lot for coming on, man. And thanks for Jeff. I don't know if you guys will know this, but he hooked me up with like a lot of other people that I could interview while I'm out here. Yeah, and, you should. Uh, you should talk to them all. I appreciate that. They're, they're I'm good talking people. to two of them today, my friends. Who, who are you talking to? I'm talking to. Uh, I'm talking to Jimmy Rhodes. Oh, he's he's the fucking man. He's coming in next. And uh, J- Jimmy's that guy. I've met a few of these people in my life. Jimmy, Ian Perkins is like this. Um, who I don't know if he's in Gaslight. He, he plays with Gaslight. They're just the nicest fucking people ever, and it angers me mm-hmm. because I'm like, I, why can't I be as cool as you? Why can't I be as nice? You you guys are just fuck. You make me look like a horrible human being. So, yeah, he's coming in and we're going to do Irony is a Dead Scene, which is a Dillinger record. Nice. And then I'm, I don't know if I got this guy through you or through someone whom you referred to me. I'm talking to this guy, Mike Mowry. Do you know him? The name sounds really familiar. Uh, well, we're going to talk, we're going to talk some Refused later today. Good. So it's interesting to me looking through the, the catalog. You don't have like the rancid album like of what I've done. Like for this podcast. Oh, okay. So I've done one season so far. Right. And a lot of the big albums, I kind of wanted to save those for like okay. like landmark, like a 50th episode or 100th episode. Right. But I was talking to, uh, I, I had this woman on, uh, Rachel Brodsky, who's like a, a writer for like Rolling Stone and Spin and stuff like that. And she wanted to do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're still on. Uh, and she wanted to do Outcome the Wolves. And that's okay. like a huge fucking record. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, we were talking a little bit about this before off mic, but I was like, what am I doing? This is like a good champagne. What am I saving this for? It's right. fucking drink it, fucking listen to it, do yeah. it, talk about it. And so, yeah, we did that. And so I'm going to get to a lot of those. But uh, what the, the thing with these records, as you saw, is it's not up to me. I, I leave it up to right. whoever's talking about this stuff. And that's one of the fun things that, uh, as this podcast is kind of brought, it's like I, I throw it out there to people who I think are interested in this stuff and Epitaph and its sister labels, because I do those too, have so much diversity. So right. I was able to do, you know, a Mill and Colin record, a Tom Waits record, you know, uh, a Motion City soundtrack record. It, it's just kind of all over the place. And it's really interesting to see like what albums means something to different people and it's like luckily it's not just the big ones it's not right. like you know outcome the wolves and and uh and uh the bad religion records and things like that people bring all of these other stuff to the table right and like yeah and so that's what's been great about this yeah i mean something like rancid you know immediately it's like yeah let's just do rancid mm-hmm. then you're like uh everybody loves that album and you it's it, we'll I'm get a, to it. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a special snowflake. <laughs> I need I, and I and I want to you know appear indie. So I need to I need to find the obscure record that nobody likes. It's like talking to like if you're going to talk about Weezer, you know everyone's like, oh, you could talk about like the green record or the blue record. I want to talk about Pink. We did a Weezer record because they you had, did you did Hurley we, right? We, that was the one they released on Epitaph. Yeah, and yeah. someone picked that. And it's uh, of the Weezer catalog. That's an odd one to talk about. But it certainly fits within the realm of what this podcast is. They're, they're an interesting band. Yeah. I mean, from what I've read, they're an interesting band. And I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, well, we'll leave it at this, too. So, Jeff, where can people find you online? Where can they check out your stuff? What should they do to, to, to you, get to you? You can find me. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Come and get me. Um, on Instagram, it's just Rockets are Red. Uh, all spelled out. Um, Facebook's the same thing. Just attach it at the end. Uh, and then my website is rockets-the-word-r-red.com. 
uh, yeah, that's how you find me. You can just Google Rockets Are Red 2. Like, if you guys see uh, Jeffrey's work, it's absolutely incredible. I'm sure a lot of you, you probably know it already. You're very welcome. And, dude, thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. Yeah. And uh, we're going to leave it out on some anchors away. And be crying. <laughs> Attention Springwood, my name is Josh Krebs. And I'm Liz Richards. And we're the hosts of Bloody Date Night. So Josh and I have been dating for four years, and Josh loves horror movies, and I hate him. Yeah, so each episode we go through the horror movie franchise canon to watch an episode and then meet up and we discuss it together. And so far it's been going pretty well, right Liz? I think it's gone pretty well so far. Yeah, each episode I try to see how far I can push Liz to watch a really good horror movie until she basically leaves me and it hasn't worked yet. Not yet. And it's awesome because you're the Tatum to my Sydney. You're sweet. And here's a clip from one of our recent episodes. Hello, I'm Exposition. Hey, let me, t- let me tell you what just happened. There's a break-in at this costume store. Somebody stole some ropes, some knives. Somebody stole a mask. They stole $250. <laughs> they scared a cat. They took two boas. They took two boas. Two feather boas, one uh, set of angel wings. It's one of those goddamn... They're probably having a burlesque. <laughs> probably doing a burlesque show later. I don't know. Oh, Haddonfield. What isn't happening? Haddonfield's first burlesque club. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I would love that. Um, the Lacey Pumpkin. The la- Ooh. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!